The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum everyone and welcome to Mindful Moments. This is the second episode we have in Ramadan. I hope your Ramadan is going well inshallah and uh, Ramadan Mubarak to you all. My name is Farah and I'm your host today. I run Seeking Sukoon which is your local mental well-being organisation here in Luton. If you want any advice or further help on anything you've heard today or in any of our shows before, Please get in contact with us through Inspire FM and we can give you advice with, 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 with oh my goodness, I don't know if the fasting is affecting my thing today, um, with, with relation to mental health or anything around these topics. We've got a whole network of Muslim mental health professionals to help you, your family and your friends. So today our topic is a very exciting one. It's about food, which we all love and food and its effects on our spiritual health, our spiritual well-being in Ramadan, and what effects it has on us during fasting, and then the importance of food and mindfulness. And we'll also be speaking about how a lack of food can have an effect on people with mental health illnesses like depression or eating disorders. So stay tuned, we've got a packed show today. If you want to get in contact with us, as I said, for any questions for today's show, do contact us from the Inspire FM page. This is a recorded show, so Facebook page, any of the social medias, inshallah, get in contact with us and we will get uh, you help or or the discussion that you need. Okay, so my guest today for Ramadan, I've got Astad Nuruddin, who is the local sheikh in Luton, but his work reaches every part of the world, I think, uh, mashallah. And he is um, a sheikh in, in, who runs Islam Answers, as well as a few other platforms. And we also have Sadia Lira, who is a trainee psychologist and doing her PhD in psychology. So, salam alaikum to you. Ustad, how is your Ramadan going? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, when I'm very well, alhamdulillah. Are you enjoying the shorter days? It's a bit, it's a bit less. <laughs> yes, shorter relative to a few years ago, yes, alhamdulillah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, alaikum, Sadia, how are you? Alaikum, alhamdulillah, doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, alhamdulillah, I'm okay, getting by, getting by. It's already been, uh, I think, a week, hasn't it? Before, Yeah. Well, when this is aired, it will have been a week, inshallah. So uh, it's already going fast, isn't it? Okay, so today we're going to talk about food and spiritual well-being and its relationship with mental well-being. Um, so I'll start, if we start with you, um, firstly, why is it, or, or what, can, what do we know in Islam about why food is the main, obviously there's other prohibitions, but why is it that we abstain food specifically in Ramadan why isn't it just you know water or any anything else what what's the effect of food yeah so there are a number of prohibitions when it comes to the fast itself Uh, when we speak about prohibitions that are directly related to the fast and those things that will nullify the fast you know there are three primarily food drink and uh, you know motor relations intimate activity that kind of thing all of those are 
prohibited such that they will nullify. Other things are still prohibited in Ramadan, and you may say that you know that it, there's more intensity in the prohibition since you're fasting, lying, cheating, etc., etc., those kind of things. But um, ultimately, all we can say for sure is that this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing us in this way and there is great benefit in it, great khayr in it. Everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands or prohibits has an abundance of wisdom in it. We usually have a glimpse of that wisdom um, here in the Holy Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he spoke about fasting being obligatory, he mentioned la'allakum tattaqoon, so that may, you may attain to piety. And again, mm -hmm. even regarding that, there are so many aspects of it. There's the aspect of self-control. There's the aspect of overcoming one's you know, most basic desires and needs to a certain extent. And uh, an aspect of this is that if you can, if you can uh, restrain yourself from something as fundamental as water, then you should be able to restrain yourself from things that are um, less fundamental to the human being and more strictly prohibited. Okay, mashallah. And um, I think is it Imam al-Ghazali that talks about food and the effect on, on the nafs or the ego? And Because obviously, from even from a non-Muslim perspective, people think, okay, we're just stopping eating and, and drinking and all of these acts. But what relation does it have to our spiritual well-being or our soul? Yeah, uh, no doubt when a person is excessive regarding food and drink, ultimately excessive regarding anything, but if we focus on food and drink, when a person is excessive regarding that, has many detrimental effects, primarily or immediately you have this issue of not controlling the ego or the nafs, you just eat whatever and whenever and how much ever you so desire, it, it means you're not really in control, your ego or your nafs is in control. And that's not how the human being is to be. The human being, the soul is to be in charge. The mind, the brain is to be in charge, not the desires, not the ego. And uh, no doubt when a person fasts, the ego uh, is controlled somewhat. The, 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 the desires are controlled somewhat. The spiritual element of the human being surfaces more so. The intellectual element of the human being surfaces more so. So there's more of a spiritual um, experience one has, inshallah. And alhamdulillah, once again, this is an experience that's to, that's to be taken forward. A person is to learn from it. A person is to uh, use this as a platform to become more spiritual and more permanently spiritual. Right. Okay. So by sort of abstaining from those like carnal um, sort of animalistic desires, what makes us quite similar to animals, we're then focusing more on our our brain and our, our mind and using that to help progress in our inshallah piety okay um, and so eating obviously is a part of ramadan we eat before the sun comes up and then um break our fast or open our fast once again when um the sun sets and obviously there's people get really excited about opening their fast and eating different types of foods um, Sadia, could you maybe talk about how food can affect our mood? Because I, I've definitely eaten like a carb-heavy meal just when I'm fasting, for example, and I feel really great after that. But why is that, and and how does that tie in with iftar and when we open our fast and if we're eating a lot of samosas and fried stuff? What what effect does that have on us? Yeah, so from previous research, uh, we found that um, foods that contain high uh, salt, high sugar, high fat, 
they have like a potential to activate dopamine in our brain. So as a result, you know, you said you feel good after. So as a yeah. result, you know, you're getting that, but then how long do you feel good for, right? Because that energy that you've got from a food like that, such as samosa, for example, because that would contain, I'm assuming, a lot of salt, a lot of oil, um, possibly a lot of fat in that. And the fact that you didn't eat whole day, so your stomach has been empty, and then you're starting off with something quite um, high in uh, sh sugar, salt, fat. So as a result of that, it does kind of play this thing with our brain where, it, you know, it's just getting this instant dopamine. And uh, for some people may not be aware. Yeah. So dopamine, you can call it a happy chem chemicals. We kind of use that to define it. But whenever you're getting dopamine very quickly or you're getting it quite frequently, because as humans, you know, everything has to be in balance. And even in psychology, that is how we see it, whether it's emotions, whether it's chemicals, like you cannot get too much dopamine because as a result of that, you know, that can lead to other mental health issues, for example. So we can like dive into that. So, yeah, so just to start off, I, I believe um, particularly um, the, um, it depends, but I'm thinking of South Asian Muslims, or I mean, it could be from anywhere, but a lot of us do have a very high carb diet and we do open up our fast with things like that. And I think it's being mindful of that because that can, of course, impact your um, ibadah even after, isn't it? Yeah, it can make you feel really sluggish and tired doing the Rawi prayers as well. And um, do you, I don't know if Asad, you want to come in on this, or as when we open our fast, obviously we're recommended as the son of the Prophet to open it with a date and some water. Is there, Asad, you know why that's good for your your, your body? Uh, for me, I can't obviously speak about it in terms of like maybe Siddi, Siddi, maybe there is a hadith on that. But generally, I so recently they are doing more research on looking at dates at something as well. Because if you notice, a lot of people that are not Muslims are consuming them nowadays as well because yeah. of the high level of protein it has. So um, whenever people are making protein shake, I always see them. They add bananas and dates. And I'm like, hey, you're stealing that from our culture. But mashallah, you know, it's amazing. If it's helping people, that's great. Yeah. So it could be something to do with... I don't know the exact like mechanics of what's happening, but but they do say, I think there's a new research I've seen where they try to do a test to see people with diabetes um, when they are taking dates, does it um, raise up or um, you know increase their sugar level? And they found that that wasn't the case. So again, I don't know why that is, and I'm not sure too sure about the sample size because obviously that's important as well. So maybe inshallah we'll find out in the future. So I don't know if Siddi has any hadith on that around dates particularly? Yes, we know without doubt that the Prophet وسلم, generally ate dates, uh, you know, and the Sahaba ate dates. Dates were also abundant in Medina Sharif. You know, the occupation of the people in Medina Sharif, many of them, uh, were they were date farmers, essentially, mashallah. They had date palms and orchards and such things. And um, uh, the Prophet وسلم, uh, did uh, encourage the consumption of dates, in particular, that we have this famous hadith uh, regarding the Ajwa date now. But there were other dates around in Medina Sharif, the Prophet. Wasallam, encouraged it. Ultimately, what we can say is 
the Prophet sallallahu is uh, an example in every way. He is the complete example sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in everything he does, there's going to be khayr, there's going to be barakah, there are going to be blessings, there's going to be good in it, inshallah ta'ala. And as you mentioned yourself, right now we might not have particular medical research and it may come to us in the future, inshallah ta'ala. But what's important to us as Muslims, this is a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to consume days and to encourage them. Um, especially the Ajwa day, as I mentioned. So there's no doubt there's going to be an abundance of khayr in it. We, from the perspective of faith, uh, iman, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe it. And science or medical research will eventually catch up at some stage. Yeah, I always think that because there's so much, and we all do the recommended acts and, and the obligatory acts in, in our faith, but then few years later, someone in the research field will find out that, you know, dates for pregnant women are great um, labor and all these things. And fasting is great for your health. And but yeah, alhamdulillah, it's um, it's, it's not just about the scientific benefits, obviously. OK, so and um, Ustad, when when we're opening our fast at iftar time, um, there's obviously an element of in, in our faith and especially in Ramadan to, towards mindfulness and being aware of the food that we're having and obviously if you, you're abstaining from food the whole day and I just know that when I taste a date when I'm opening my fast, it just tastes that much sweeter and that much much mm. what's the importance of uh, what our mindset towards food and and how that should really be at the time of opening our fast yeah we would we should start with sugar gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us first of all blessed us with the ability to fast in the first place there are many Muslims who would love to be able to fast they're not able to fast because of uh, ill health and such things um, so we start with making shukr for that we make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ability to eat there are people out there that they can't really eat you know that their diet is very very restricted or um, you know, that they're, they're getting their sustenance in another manner. So we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the abundance of food we have. We have so many options, alhamdulillah. There are people out there that are fasting and then they end their fast with a cup of water. That's all that's available to them. Or, you know, some dry bread. That's all that's available to them. So that's a very, very important aspect of it. You know, gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and recognizing and also enjoying the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did say the fasting person has two joys. A joy when he ends his fast and a joy when he meets his Lord. So it is, mashallah, it should be a joyful occasion, alhamdulillah, but also, yes, moderation. Moderation is very, very important, inshallah. Moderation is not only best for us spiritually, physically, mentally, but that's where the greatest pleasure is anyway. You know, somebody who overeats um, is not going to be in a state of pleasure for very long at all. Yeah. You know, as soon as they finish the meal, there's no, it's over now. You know, now it's pain, it's suffering, it's, it's difficulty, it's hardship, it's... Uh, being lethargic um, whereas a person who's moderate mashallah is going to enjoy the meal and is going to enjoy the experience afterwards and is going to enjoy the taraweeh prayer afterwards and the, the, the ibadat so moderation is incredibly important so these are two things to really focus on gratitude and then moderation and, and I think it's amazing how our bodies are designed to deal with moderation and not with excess because you just feel bloated if you eat too much. And, and clearly that's our body telling us that that's not OK. Um, OK, so let's move on to eating disorders. We've got 10 minutes of the show left. So if we, we so in the UK, there's about 
two to three million people that suffer with eating disorders. And obviously a proportion of that is the ethnic minorities and Muslims especially. And sometimes Ramadan can be quite a scary or nervous time for people who have struggled with eating disorders or even another mental illness like depression. Um, because food obviously can have an impact triggering certain mental illnesses. Um, Sadia, do you, what sorts of things, how exactly can fasting affect things like depression or, or someone who may have had an eating disorder in the past, but, and they're fine, but did that cause them to sort of relapse or trigger anything? Yeah, so to understand that, I think we first have to understand how food impacts our brain. You know, we obviously initially spoke about dopamine, but generally yes. we have a connection between our gut and our brain. So when we are eating certain type of food, as I said earlier, it releases lots of chemicals. And as a result, you know, that impacts our brain. And then vice versa, the same thing happens. So, you know, you spoke about just now, you mentioned about eating disorders or depression. Mm -hmm. So as a result of depression, there are certain chemicals that could release and that could impact our gut as well. So it can happen both ways. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so going from that, you know, as I said, it's important to understand the relationship between our gut and brain because we cannot um, separate our brain from our physical body. Even though a lot of people think when they think of mental health, they think, oh, it's a complete element by itself but it impacts your physical health, just like physical health impacts your mental health. You cannot separate them. So um, just to give a little um, example for, um, when we speak about eating disorders, right? So particularly in Ramadan, we can, obviously there's various eating disorders out there. Well, if we focus on binge, binge eating and bulimia, for example, yeah. um, to stick to the theme of iftar. Um, so the difference between binge eating and bulimia is that both initially individuals may um, consume a lot of food so they may do that uh, it, this happens in both both binge eating and bulimia however mm -hmm. in bulimia people may purge or they may make themselves you know sick and things like that that's where the difference come in and of course you have more technical um ways and i don't if you remember what i was mentioning i don't want to give too much away exactly the symptoms because i do not want to encourage people to self-diagnose no 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 that yeah, we will see people, inshallah, go and get, seek help. So um, obviously when people, individuals are fasting, as we said, the impact food has in our brain. So if you are not eating and you do have depression, again, if it's clinical depression, there's obviously various forms of depression as well. So, you know, the listener, if, if there is a listener who has been diagnosed, what I would say from my profession, we would usually seek advice. You know, we would encourage people to seek advice, see where you are with your mental health, because depression can look very different for different people and triggers of depression can be different things. So yeah. if you get advice from whether it's a psychologist you're seeing or your, um, you know, um, it could be even dietitians and nurses, things that they can even give you advice. So in the sense, like what is best for you? Is it will it make your fasting, would that make your uh, mental health worse or would it not like that's something you would have to kind of find out and you know if you go to the right person they would inshallah tell you but um generally so we find that when it, when we are speaking of eating disorder just briefly to explain eating disorder can happen as a result of other illnesses this is very interesting because it's kind of going back to what we spoke last week you know, we spoke yeah. about OCD. And, and abuse. Yeah, yeah. And even though we said last week when we spoke about OCD, we said, yes, OCD is there, but it is more of a, a lot of time it becomes like a coping strategy for some people as a result of other things they've experienced. So same thing you can talk about any kind of um, 
uh, for example, eating disorder, or even like um, alcohol abuse, for example, because the type the part in your brain, it's the same part that's activated when you are engaging in that. So, yes. so it's really important. The reason why I'm highlighting that because some people may feel look, I might have eating disorder, or I might have a different way I view food. So just to give an example, maybe I, I abstain from food completely when I'm really stressed. So maybe you can you can see when you're having exams or if you have difficulties in relationship. As a result of that, is your immediate reactions to abstain from food or is your immediate reaction to like binge eat completely? So if you are going through that, what I would recommend is go, inshallah, get help, um, go to your GP, get an assessment done and see what is happening because it could be there's other underlying factor and as a result you are viewing food in a way to cope with that does that make sense yeah I was trying yeah. to summarize this so <laughs> <laughs> no I appreciate that that makes sense and I think yeah the main message is for people to seek help if you feel sometimes even Ramadan can be sometimes can highlight that for you that mm. you've known before that you you know have a different or difficult relationship with food I think when people um I've heard of people sort of either looking looking forward to Ramadan because they think, oh, I can mask my eating disorder because yeah. everyone's not eating. So if they're, for, exact, for example, anorexic, yeah. go a whole day without eating and then, you know, have a little bit or not even eat at all properly out of dar. And it, it's seen as normal with the community because everyone's doing that. And obviously that's a big issue. And also the other way around for people who are, eating but then like you said they've been that if and then they feel ashamed and guilty and then that can cause them to have a cycle to start yeah. again they are in um remission um so if start i have a question for people who are okay so if, i i think there's an understanding that for people who have an eating disorder or a mental health illness they they are exempt from fasting um if you could first address that very briefly and then let's well, part to that we have to, oh. yeah we would have to look at the specifics of it you know okay. together with the advice given by you know a medical health or mental health professional we'd have to look at the specifics of it you know if we're told that unless this person takes this medication every four hours there's going to be a problem uh, we'll seek alternatives you know is there injection or you know is there something if there's no way around it then it may well be the person is exempt but we will have to look at the specifics of it it's not the case that any person who says i'm i have mental health issues will say don't fast um mm -hmm. fasting might actually help them so, um, you know, we'd have to look at the specifics of the situation. It's certainly possible that somebody who has specific medical needs may be exempt from fasting. Okay. And so what about, again, like if someone has recovered from an eating disorder, but, um, you know, Ramadan could be, uh, the, the sort of altered eating cycles could be a trigger for them to relapse. Would you suggest they try it or because obviously if someone goes into relapse, it can be quite serious um, and, you know, they have to go through the whole medical. Yeah. They certainly shouldn't jeopardize their well-being and, you know, the, the risk relapse. No. But once again, the, the specifics would have to be looked at, you see, because sometimes it, the, the case might be such that even if they attempt it, 
um, uh, they, they might relapse and might start to spiral. And other, case, other situations that might not be the case, they, you know, if, if things are adjusted for a day or two, it's not a huge issue, but if it's more long term, then it, they might relapse. So we would have to look at the specifics. But yes, people are not to jeopardize, especially if they've struggled so much to get back to a state where they're, you know, he healthier yeah. now. Uh, that should not be jeopardized. But once again, we, it's going to be, it, it's not going to be correct to give a blanket ruling for everybody. That makes sense. That sounds like fuck to me. Um, <laughs> so if, if it can, can we direct people to you if, if they want to have more information on specific yes, conditions? No problem, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So we're coming to an end in the show. Um, just maybe one quick tip from, from both of you, especially for people who cannot fast because of things like eating disorders, even people I know who have Crohn's disease or any other gut related illnesses, which means fasting causes them to drop weight quite severely. So any tips of how to make most of Ramadan and obtain your the best spiritual well-being you can? Um, if you want to if you want to say first or start. Yeah. So I will say uh, two brief tips, inshallah. Firstly, recognize that ultimately this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses for you is better than what you would prefer for yourself. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't get down about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put, yourself, put you in this situation, make the most of it. And make the most of it by busying yourself with recitation of the Holy Quran, studying Islam, dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many, many other things that you can do. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I feel like um, Siddi gave the best ones. But um, inshallah, even uh, things like mindfulness, as you mentioned earlier, you know, if you engage in mindfulness, even from the psychological point of view, it is quite recognized as well. So if somebody wants to do some journaling and write things down and even the gratitude, having a gratitude diary and using that and being thankful for things, you know, because that way, you know, you're showing thankfulness to Allah. But at the same time, it, it's really good for your mental health because you're keeping, you're trying to stay positive. And through, um, and there's a lot of research that shows gratitude and mashallah really can improve people's mental health. Thank you so much. They are great tips. Thank you, Ustad Nuruddin and Sadia for coming on again. Thank you to everyone listening, inshallah, it's been beneficial. Do share this link with people you know who may benefit. This is a huge topic, but we've had limited time. So jazakallah both of you for your time. And everyone listening at home, have a great um Ramadan, enjoy your fast, whether you're fasting or not, uh, make the most of the month and see you next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.